Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. It's good to be up here as we continue our series in the book of John that we've entitled Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But we can't forget about last week when Pastor Matt preached the sermon, Believe or Be Judged. In that we learn Jesus came to save us from judgment because we were born condemned. We were born condemned already. And it's guilty sinners like us who believe in Jesus that receive a pardon. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things, Lord, and most of all is your truth, the truth of your word, which we're going to hear this morning. So Lord, that's what we want today to be about, just the truth of your word. Let it penetrate our hearts and our minds, and we love you and we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Here you have a picture of, it's a campground in Wyoming, Now, the reason why I have this up, I had pictures of the same sky. It's just this was better, so I used this. We actually went camping here when we were uh, visiting our family in South Dakota. Uh, It was just a short two-hour drive, and if you live in that area, everything's a two-hour drive, so it's not that big of a deal. But we went camping there, um, like I said, and it was incredible. I mean, it was just a great experience as a you know, someone that grew up in a flat swamp. You know, I love to get in the mountains and see stuff like this. Um, but it didn't start out that way. So we drove two hours, uh, my, my daughter, my son-in-law, my two granddaughters, and my wife. And uh, we got there, and it was a, a state park, uh, really beautiful, as you can see. This is kind of the area we were in. And uh, we get there, and they tell us at the front gate to the entrance of the park, sorry, no campfires. And you can't even cook over an open flame because of the lack of rain and, and, and uh, other fires in the area. And we're like, no campfire, we're camping. Like, do you guys not understand that's in the name, campfire? Like, how do you go camping and not have a campfire? I mean, it's just, you know, part of the whole experience where you're making s'mores and maybe roasting hot dogs and telling stories around the campfire, you know, probably throwing things in the fire you shouldn't be throwing in the fire just to see if they burn, you know, it's, it's kind of what you do. And there's just something kind of magical about just chilling out and just sitting around a campfire all night. Well, that was no longer a possibility. So I'm like, cool, I guess we're just going to sit in the dark. This is going to be great. Uh, but as we do with everything else, we just had the best time we uh, possibly could. But what happened was something incredible because it was so dark out there, this is the sky that you see. Now, we don't get this in Southwest Florida, even if you're out in the middle of the swamp. I think it's mostly due to the elevation where this is thousands of feet in the air and we're below sea level. So you don't get this kind of view here. It was just amazing how it was so clear that night. Um, we, We were watching actually satellites go by, which now I heard they're spaceships, but I'm not sure about that. Um, but we were actually watching satellites go by, the, the, the uh, shower of uh, meteors, you know, uh, shooting stars. It was just an incredible time. I couldn't believe it. I got to curl up with my oldest granddaughter in a chair and just look at the sky, you know, most of that night, talking about stars and planets and, and of course, the amazing God that created it all. 
So it ended up being just a wonderful time. It kind of reminded me of a, a sermon illustration I heard, though, once from a, a pastor, and he was preaching about the importance of spiritual leaders being humble. Now, follow along with me. Of course, they should be reminded that their ministries are more about Jesus and the gospel and not themselves. Pastors and preachers are to shine like the stars in a night sky. They're supposed to be the guiding light in a dark world, illuminating and guiding with the truth of God's word. But he didn't stop there. He wanted to explain as, as pastors, we are also like the stars and planets in the night sky in a different way. Let me ask you, church, what happens to a sky like that at daybreak? It disappears. It simply goes away. It simply disappears and fades away. It's the power intensity of the sun that is so great you can no longer see the planets and the stars as you're looking on the screen right now. Now, don't freak out. They're still there. We just can't see them, just in case you were wondering. But it's through the power and the intensity of the sun, you can no longer see them. In the same way, pastors or any spiritual leader should be ready at, and willing at any time to fade into the background when the sun shows up. That would be S-O-N. See what I did there? As we prepare to get into our text this morning, we're going to see John the Baptist, who was brought to prepare the way for our Savior. A few times throughout this book so far, we've seen John having to explain to people, no, I'm not Elijah, no, I'm not the Messiah, you know, I'm, I'm just the guy who's proclaiming the way of the Lord. And every single time he's asked, he simply just points back to Jesus and who Jesus is. Just as any good spiritual leader, he knows that everything he does pales into comp comparison to who Jesus is and what Jesus can do for this fallen world. He knows no matter how glorious his ministry is or how many people think he's so special, he is nothing compared to the sun. Just like a breathtaking view of the stars in that sky is no match for the power and the majesty of the sunrise. They simply fade away. And we'll see John doing just that this morning. But before we do, it's exactly why the title of today's sermon is More Jesus, Less Me. More Jesus, Less Me. We'll see this in, in what we, it's sometimes referred to as John's final testimony, praise God, because he's once again explaining that it's not all about him. Uh, but here's what's weird is this time he has to explain it to some of his disciples. These are guys that have been traveling around with him. So let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. The uh, scripture will be up on the screen as long as read or uh, follow along in your Bibles. Starting in verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he was spending time with them baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anan near Salim because there was much water there. And people were coming and they were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who, sits, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, 
Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. If we took those nine verses and we boiled them down into one main idea, we would get this. True spiritual leaders make much of Christ, not themselves. True spiritual leaders make much of Christ and not themselves. Unfortunately, this world is filled with Pastors and Christians that fail to see this point. Many churches are, are, are big in marketing, the, the music, the preaching, the lights, the size of the church. It's a huge production. Many people have uh, actually turned Christianity into like a, hey, look at me religion. Look what we're all about. Look what we can do. If you don't believe me, think about it. We glorify Christian speakers, Christian authors, and musicians because of their talents. Even when their messages are contrary to the Bible, we still place our faith in them because we treat them almost like celebrities. This has been going on since the beginning, guys. It's, it's nothing new. Paul had to write numerous letters to churches and, and trying to combat some of these things. But even today, we have pastors that fly around on private jets and they have a need to be in the spotlight. They would rather give their opinions about God and the Bible rather than just preach the truth of God's word. You might ask yourself, well, why is that? Well, one reason, and as you can see this playing out today, the truth of the Bible isn't so popular today, is it? There's many in, the, in, the, in our world today that when you, when you speak truth of the Bible, they just look at you like you're crazy. It's not very appealing. Many of these churches and many of these pastors just want to be accepted by the world. But then there's also Christians and Christian leaders who really try to do their best to just truly just preach the truth of God's word, keep the spotlight on the gospel and the spotlight on Jesus. But this is difficult all in itself as we are just struggling as fallen people in a fallen world. Let's break down our verses today to see why this man idea is true this morning. Let's go back to verse 25. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given from heaven. So in our first three verses before these, we see the idea that they were kind of baptizing in the same area, and John had a huge following. Now, now don't get this twisted. John did have a big following. He was baptizing many people. Even religious uh, leader, Jewish religious leaders were enamored with him, sending people to come out and talk to him. So he was really something, something to talk about. 
And then you see Jesus, who's his uh, ministry is just starting to really blow up, and he's kind of taken over, and he's kind of coming in. And for some reason, John's disciples had a problem with this. They were disturbed because it was like some kind of competition at that point. They were also kind of confused because the baptisms were, that were taking place were a little bit different. So they started to have a conversation about purification. It's good to note that baptism is not something that just Christians did. Uh, it's something that the Jews used to do. If, uh, as, a, as a Gentile who was not a Jew wanted to join the Jewish faith, they would be baptized. It was a time for them to recognize their sin and repent, just m- much like we do. But it was a little bit different in the way that they were then to follow the Mosaic law. They were to follow the law and and in t- anticipation for the coming Messiah. So Jesus is the Messiah, and God is the only one that could actually forgive sin. So John's baptism was inferior to Jesus, as we learn in the book of Acts. So they're kind of asking John here, so whose baptism is superior? Like, who, this guy's grown, this guy's taken over, you know, what gives? Just like John the Baptist always does, he points right back to who he is and who Jesus is. In fact, this is the third time just in the book of John where John has to explain it's not about him. In fact, verse 27, he says, listen, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Like, this is not my business, guys. I'm just following Jesus. He's like, listen, Jesus is God in the flesh. My message points to this Savior who is the one that you're complaining about. Think about that. Is that not the sinfulness of human nature on full display? If you think about it, it's the same reason why Adam and Eve ate the fruit. It's not enough to just know God or understand God. It's somehow in our twisted sinfulness as humans, we want to be God. We take the, the place of importance off of the greatest message ever spoken, which is the gospel, and we try to somehow make it about us. Which brings us to our first point this morning. Mankind will always be jealous of what God is able to accomplish. I think that's more true today than ever. I mean, you look at stuff like artificial intelligence and and all these things where we just want to be like God. We want to create. We want to mimic God. Mankind will always be jealous of what God is able to accomplish. He's explaining this to, John the Baptist has explained this to his disciples who should know better. These were his act, some of them were his actual disciples. I'm sure they've heard him say this a thousand times. I am not the Christ. It's not about me. But they just couldn't get past the fact that Jesus was outshining John. But John reminds them of our main idea this morning, which is this true spiritual leaders make much of Christ, not themselves. Jesus is the reason that salvation is even possible to mankind. Who can compete with that? John's disciples were jealous because John's fame was dwindling. Jesus' fame was was growing. 
But John knew just like any good spiritual leader or Christ follower, he must be like those stars in the night sky. He must do all he can to shine the truth of God's truth to all mankind. But when the sun shows up, it's time to fade away into the background, which is exactly what he does in our next set of verses, going back to verse 28. He says, you yourselves are my witnesses that I said. He must have been tired of saying this by now. I am not the Christ, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase and I must decrease. As he reminds them again, he is not the Christ. He is not the focal point of everything that's going on. He was just sent ahead of Jesus to make much of Jesus. And I, I really love the illustration that he uses here with a bride and the bridegroom. He's kind of like saying, y'all are treating me like I'm the groom at my best friend's wedding. Think about what I just said. I'm, you're treating me like I'm the groom, but I'm at my best friend's wedding. And it's really kind of neat because uh, many times in scripture, you know, the church and Jesus are described just as this the bridegroom who seeks his bride. So it's by no mistake that John used this as an illustration. See, Jesus is the groom, and those that place their faith in him are his bride, the church. Those that repent, they turn from sin, they seek forgiveness from God through Jesus, are his. Amen. John's like, Y'all are making this awkward. Could you imagine if you're the best man at someone's wedding and, you know, you're getting in there and eating the cake as they're cutting the cake and you're putting your arm around the bride like she's yours? Like, this is literally what you guys are doing. This is literally what you guys are trying to, 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 to faust upon me. And he says, no, Jesus is the groom. I'm the best man who rejoices for what the groom has, which is his bride. In fact, he puts it this way. The best man, as he says in 29 there, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. His heart was full of joy simply because he was the best man. It's also interesting to learn in, in biblical times and Jewish culture around this time, See, the groom would be told by his father when it was time to go retrieve his bride. So for how a marriage would work, the groom would prepare a place for them to live. The bride would go and she would work on her wedding gown. And at some point, the groom would go and he would retrieve the bride and bring her to the wedding festival. It was a seven-day process. But what's cool, and I just read this week, that the best man would go before the groom as he was walking down the street from one place to the other, pro proclaiming the intentions of his groom. It was an exciting time. He would be very excited. He'd be shouting, this man is going to get his bride, and we're about to have a wedding feast, y'all. It's an exciting time. 
This was literally John's entire purpose for what he, was, what, what he was put on this planet for, and he was excited about it. Jesus coming to claim his bride. Of course, those that would place their faith in him. John was rejoicing in the Savior's delight that people would be saved. Guys, is that not something to get excited about? Shouldn't we be excited about that? Jesus is the groom, we're the bride, and every day new believers are added to his church. We should be just as excited as John. But then John does something which I think marks his greatest accomplishment. It wasn't the baptizing however many did, he did, or you know, even just you know, impressing people and having religious leaders kind of falling over themselves to find out who this guy was. I think his greatest accomplishment was when he would become less as Jesus became more. His ministry would come to an end as Jesus' was just beginning. In fact, it mentions here briefly, this was before John was thrown into to jail, to which he would eventually be beheaded, And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry to which he would go to the cross to die for all those who would place their faith in him. It brings us to our second point this morning. Our lives should be more about Jesus and less about us. Our lives, not just Christian leaders, but Christ followers, our lives should be more about Jesus and less about us. When we make it a habit to place Jesus and the gospel ahead of what we want in life, brothers and sisters, that is when we are the most effective for the kingdom of God. When we put ourselves under, in importance, Jesus and the gospel, that's when we're most effective. This is extremely hard for us to do. Our default position is self in our sinful nature. Many times it goes against what we think is best or what we want. But this was the mindset of John the Baptist, who is, by the way, considered one of the greatest prophets of all time. To him, it was all about verse 30. I think this should be the mantra of all Christian leaders, especially, but also Christ followers. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. As we wrap this up and I I call Joe up, I would like us to really take a minute and just think about where in our lives personally we need to decrease as Jesus increases. That's between you and God. Nobody knows that better than you and God. In your lives personally, where do you need to decrease so that Jesus can increase? Think about that as we remember our points this morning. Our first one was this. Mankind will always be jealous of what God is able to accomplish. I mean, it is difficult for us, right? When, when we really work hard for something and we feel like we really gave it our all to not want the credit and not want the glory for it. I mean, we hear of people all the time, our our missionaries that we were just talking about. You're talking about people that have given their lives in service to the Lord. We hear about 
missionaries and evangelists and pastors and various leaders of Christian organizations that help people all over the world. But what happens when their ministry starts to become more about them than Jesus? Well, many times they fall. We hear of pastors and, again, you know, spiritual leaders that have fallen into sin or, you know, something bad happening. I could tell you that's probably what happened. They feel like they should be held in high esteem. They feel like they should get the credit for it because it's their hard work. That's when they start to feel like they're in competition with other ministries, much like John's disciples were, right? They make it all about them and they want to bask in the glory of these great accomplishments. And I just ask this, what accomplishments? Even someone like Billy Graham, who's preached the gospel to tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Did he come down from heaven, live a perfect life in a sinful world, and then die and raise again, defeating sin and death? I don't remember that happening. That's an accomplishment. But we can see that John is not about to let that happen as we remember our second point. Our lives should be more about Jesus and less about us. Church, this is where I would really like to focus in this morning. Is your life more about Jesus than it is about yourself? I don't know about you, but I cringe at that question. If you're here this morning and that doesn't bother you, you need to look a little deeper. It bothers me because no, many times, and don't tell anybody I told you this, many times in my life it's not about what Jesus wants, it's about what I want. It's about where I want to go and about what I want to do. It's sometimes Jesus is not in the picture at all. And I'm here to tell you that's terrible. But listen, it's okay. That's why we come and we hear the word of God preached. Amen. Amen. That's why we should be immersing ourselves in God's word daily. Because as I said, our default is self. It's not hard for us to go back into these things as Mike was just explaining this morning. It's what we do. We're our favorite person. So we must remind ourselves of that point. He must increase, but I must decrease. I'd like us to meditate on that this week as we go. But here's, here's, I don't want to just leave you there because there's a really important reason why. Is it because God is just some kind of glory hog? Is it because he just wants to rain on our parade and he just wants to control us? Is that why God wants us to decrease as he increases? Let me ask you this. What is our prayer life going to look like as he increases and we decrease? What are our relationships with people going to look like as he increases, as we decrease? What is our speech going to sound like as he increases and we decrease? What are our actions going to look like to the outside world as they see us decreasing as God increases? What are our attitudes going to look like to other people as he increases and we decrease? 
How is our urgency to see people come to the saving knowledge of God going to be affected when he increases and we decrease? I think it's pretty easy to say it's not only centric to being a good spiritual leader, but to be a strong Christ follower. Let's follow John the Baptist as he glorified Christ with his life. Amen? Amen. And remember our main idea. True spiritual leaders make much of Christ and not themselves. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this day that we can come and hear about you and your truth. Please help us to be more like John the Baptist in our obedience and our, use our lives to glorify you. Help us to shine like stars in, in a dark world, Lord, but be ready and willing to simply fade away when you show up. Help us to put your son's interest above our own in all aspects. Help us to have hearts like you, O oh Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.